0: Hi, I'm Kensley. And I'm Jason. As you can tell, this is not Alyssa. She's actually off this week. She was just out of town. So we wanted to give her the week off, but she says she loves you guys very much and she will be back next week. But in the meantime, we have a crazy case for you guys. We're covering the case of a woman who was found dead under quite strange circumstances. Although police have suspected this death to be by suicide, the family of the victim is positive there was foul play involved. You're listening to The Ugly Truth, and this is the mysterious death of Joanne Matouk Romaine. On January 12, 2010, a cold winter night in the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan, Michelle, Kelly, and Michael Romaine sat at home waiting on their mother to return home. Their mother, Joanne Matouk Romaine, had dropped her youngest son, Michael, at home and said she was going to get gas. At this point, it was nine o'clock, meaning Joanne had been gone for three hours, but her children weren't afraid because they assumed she had also went to a late night church service. Joanne was a devout Catholic and would often stop by her local church for one of their evening prayer services. But shortly after nine o'clock, headlights appear in the driveway, but it isn't who they've been expecting, it's the police. Right away, the cops tell the oldest daughter, Michelle, that they found her mother's car abandoned in the church parking lot and ask if she's missing. The children are rightfully shocked and confused because it had only been a few hours since seeing their mom. The family drives over to the church parking lot And right away, there was a full-on investigation going on. Talking crime tape everywhere. And officers were searching the lake and the grounds near the church. Michelle is rightfully very confused and asks what's going on. The police tell her that the reason this search is already so huge and urgent is because they have, quote, reason to believe Joanne took her own life, end quote. Dun, dun, dun. I know, for real. Joanne had no history or current signs of depression or any mental health concerns. So her family is still met with mass amounts of confusion. This is the reason given by an officer as to why they assume it was a suicide. So the officer that found the car in the empty church parking lot looked inside and he found a purse still in the car. He also saw high-heeled footprints in the snow walking toward Lake Sinclair. This lake was right across from the church parking lot. So he assumed she just walked into the water, basically. But here's the parts that don't quite add up. The police found the car in the parking lot, but the car was not registered to Joanne. It was registered to her daughter, Michelle. So when the police showed up asking if they knew where their mother was because they found her car, how does that make sense if it's not even registered to her? If you run the plates, Michelle's name would come up. What? That's whack. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know how they would know that she was the one missing right away. And the police officer also said he saw prints in the snow that looked like someone had sat down on one of the concrete embankments and slid into the water. So everyone believes she ended up in the water. And for several more hours throughout the night, search crews looked for Joanne, but there was no look. After this whole situation, the family suspects that maybe someone else was involved. But police say they're positive that Joanne went into the water. They say that since there was no current that night, she'll wash up within a few days at most. Remember that. There was no current that night. Hmm. So the family is basically told to wait for the body to show up. But they can't shake the feeling that everything in this situation is wrong. Now, what doesn't add up here? Let me just tell you. There's quite a list. (laughs) First of all, jumping back to when the police arrived, like I said... They found Joanne's car abandoned, but really it's registered to Michelle. So why did they assume it was Joanne right away? Yeah. My only guess is because they knew Joanne, like they knew the family and they knew she drove the car frequently, especially if it's at the church. That's fair. But I don't know. (laughs) And here's the issues with the crime scene. So the water in the lake was extremely shallow. Joanne was five feet tall. So for her to cover her whole body, to like submerge her whole body in the water, she'd have to walk 200 yards out. That's two football field lengths out into the water to completely submerge herself. And she's only five feet tall. What? That's so weird. <laughs> yeah. The water was also very clear and Joanne was last seen wearing all black. So in theory, she should have stood out. And it's winter in Michigan. So the water was frozen over. If someone had went into the water the ice would have had some sort of damage or disturbance to it but there was nothing plus the way this land landscape is around the lake is super difficult to walk on so it would make it super hard to walk down and basically there was this huge hill and on the opposite side of the hill was a concrete embankment and it was like going straight into the water not only is this hill very steep in general Joanne was wearing heels, and there was most likely ice on the ground. So I don't know how she would have made it down. Suspicious. Yeah. There's actually an episode of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix based on this case. It's called Lady of the Lake. And they have a lady that is the same height as Joanne put on high heels that were the same height and try and walk down that embankment in the summer. Like, it's sunny, no ice on the ground, and she can't even do it without another guy walking in front of her, like, holding her hands. Really? Yeah, she can't walk straight. So then there's the suicide theory, but why would she go get gas after taking her son home to then just go take her own life? Mm-hmm. Like you got to at least keep the money in the bank. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you fill up your car? That's so weird. Yeah. And also she went to an evening prayer service at her church right before like killing herself. I don't know. She was also, like I said, a devout Catholic and suicide is seen as a grave sin Mm -hmm. in that religion. Mm Mm-hmm. And she took her religion very seriously, so this doesn't quite make sense to her family. So obviously, all of this is very strange and questionable, but it gets even stranger when Joanne's children tell the police that Joanne actually had been afraid for her life in the past few weeks. Joanne believed that she was being followed and that her mail was being tampered with. She also thought someone was listening in on her phone calls. So she was like fearing for her life weeks before she disappeared. Really? That's so weird. Yeah. And because of all this, her family is convinced that her fears had real backing and she wasn't just paranoid. Because originally they were like, this lady is going crazy. But now they're like, maybe not. Within the first few days of Joanne's disappearance, her family worked on making a suspect list. And three men topped that list. David Romaine, who was Joanne's husband. Her brother, John Matouk. And her cousin, Tim Matouk. David and Joanne were separated at the time of her disappearance. David traveled for work often and Joanne suspected infidelity. It was even rumored that David was having an affair with Joanne's best friend. Mm. So there's a motive for him, if it's Mm -hmm. him. Maybe he just didn't want her around anymore or he wanted her gone so he could move on to her best friend. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But they were both also in the middle of a lawsuit and they were basically suing another company and they were gonna get a million dollars from it. Like they won the suit and they were gonna get a million dollars. And if David and Joanne were both around, they'd split it. But if only one of them was around, that person would get all million of it. Ooh. So then there's some money, yeah. And people kill for a lot less Mm -hmm. than a million dollars. too. Um, Then John Matuk, the brother, uh, was very close with Joanne. They were the closest of all their siblings. And the family didn't think he himself would have killed his sister, but maybe someone he's associated with. So he got into some pretty sticky situations. He was into gambling, owed a lot of people some money. Mm -hmm. And some of these people might have even been mad enough to kill someone he loved. Then again, if someone were to kill her to send a message, likely it would have been clear it was a message. And like they would have left a note or something. But here's the number one suspect on the family's list. And in my list, <laughs> Michelle is convinced that Tim is involved because weeks leading up to Joanne going missing, she told Michelle, quote, if something happens to me, look to Tim in God. No way. Yeah. What? <laughs> like within days of her going missing, she said this. Who'd she say that to? Her daughter. Wow. Yeah. And now I'm sure the question is, well, why did she say that? Let me tell you. <laughs> Here's a little bit of backstory to understand why Tim might be the one to blame. So Joanne's parents, they were very successful. They owned a wine store and did very well. And when they passed away, there was $20 million up for grabs to be split equally amongst the five children. But two of the children, the two oldest ones, Bill and Rosemary continued looking after the family business and were accused of taking more money than what was their fair share. So Joanne and John filed a lawsuit against the estate, and they won. This resulted in an extra $600,000 in back payments for each of them. But this whole situation had the family pretty split, but Joanne and John were always on the same team. When John got into some legal troubles, Joanne always resorted to either blaming Tim or Bill for John's problems. And I don't really understand that. Like, why she was blaming them for her cousin's issues. That makes no sense. But basically, she was convinced because Tim was a cop at this point. She was convinced that he was ratting out John, her brother, when he got into trouble. And he would be the reason. But Tim denied this and still denies this. Now, back to what happened when she said, if something happens to me, look to Tim. It was one phone call. And this call was about Joanne's constant blame of Tim. Joanne would say that she was scared of Tim. She wouldn't ever say why, but she wouldn't let her kids ever see him because he was sick, is what she said. And they still don't understand what that means. But one day, Joanne went to her brother Bill and said he needed to stay away from Tim because he was bad news. This is when Tim called her and says, basically, stop spreading rumors about me. I've done nothing. Keep My name out of your mouth. And Tim claims that the call wasn't anything more than that. It was just like, don't talk about me behind my back kind of thing. But Michelle, Joanne's daughter, remembers her mom screaming at Tim on the phone and saying never to call her again. That's when she hangs up, turns around to Michelle and says, if something happens to me, look to Tim. Wow. Do you think that was like a joke or was she like dead serious? Do you think she actually thought she was going to... I'm pretty sure, especially if her daughter was that concerned about it, to remember it, too. I mean, maybe it's just because she's dead now. But there's one final instance that, like, kind of, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. So she, Michelle, remembers that she went to the wine store that now Bill, the oldest brother, owns with her mom. They were showing up unannounced because Joanne just wanted to talk to him. Joanne went in alone. And Michelle said that when she came back out to the car, she looked terrified, like she had seen a ghost. Whatever happened in there scared her to her core and caused her to thoroughly believe she was in danger. Joanne then asked Michelle to drive her to church because she thought she could, quote, pray it away. Wow. I don't know what happened. There's nothing about that other than, like... That's so sad. She just left and was like, we need to go to church. So, obviously, there are some very likely suspected people in this case. And they all have valid motives. Not that it's valid to kill someone, but if you were going to, these are all reasons that make sense, I guess. Fair. Now, while all of these suspects are being put on a list, there is an investigation going on. But I feel like we need to put investigation in air quotes because it's not really an investigation. There's some serious flaws in it. For instance the police claimed that they had dusted the car for fingerprints and didn't find any matching Joanne or her family. But they never asked the family for prints to compare, and none of them worked government jobs where fingerprints are required. So how do they know the fingerprints don't match? What are they comparing them to? The police also did investigate that... (laughs) The police also did investigate that this might have been a robbery gone bad, because her purse was found in the car when she went missing. But the only things that were missing from her purse that were normal were her keys and a phone. But the purse had a massive tear on the front of it to Michelle. This is proof that there was some sort of struggle because the purse was previously not damaged and it was brand new, but the police say it's likely that the purse was already ripped and Michelle didn't notice it, which maybe Yeah. there was also $1,500 in the purse that wasn't taken Uh, So it's clearly not a robbery. But all of these suspicions of foul play or suicide couldn't be confirmed without an autopsy. They needed a body. And 70 days later, one showed up. On March 20th, 2010, fishermen found a body in the Detroit River in Canada, over 35 miles away from where she entered the water. The water that supposedly didn't have a current. So how could she have moved 35 miles? Yeah, seriously, that makes no sense. An initial autopsy was done that said she had drowned, which, okay, makes sense. She was in water. Both her shoes and her clothes were found totally intact. And this is something else that doesn't make sense because even if her body was floating the whole time and her shoes didn't drag in the water, like she wasn't being dragged, she still had to walk into that mucky rocky lake 200 yards to like successfully drown herself 200 yards into that lake so surely she would have some sort of scuff marks on the shoes or like damage or dirt like anything and they're just perfect and to add to the confusion something else found on joanne was her keys probably doesn't sound too strange because her keys were missing from her purse but What's strange is that Joanne's keys were already returned to Michelle before the body was found. In fact, it was only the day after Joanne went missing that the keys showed up at the police station. They were just dropped off anonymously, so no one knows who dropped them off. In early February, when the keys finally got dropped off to the family, Michelle notices right away that they weren't the same keys Joanne had when she went missing. Michelle was at a house showing with her keys and they went missing after the showing that was the original set of keys so the whole family had been using the spare set the set that was returned to the police was the original set that had been missing for months that's so <laughs> not I okay. know. Yeah. <laughs> i'm not okay i'm so like, confused screams murder to me it does kind of what suspicion. in the world The Romaine family took it upon themselves to hire a private investigator because they were over working with the police, basically. And this autopsy revealed some aspects that weren't previously mentioned. Like the autopsy found contusions on her left arm. This was the arm that she wore her purse on. So Michelle believes that someone grabbed her mom by the purse. Mm. Also, it was found that Joanne died of a dry drowning. This means that no water was in her lungs. This is such a rare thing. It only happens in 1% of drowning cases. This also means that there was air in Joanne's lungs, which means she had to have floated while she was in the water, which we already mentioned would be almost impossible because there is one, no currents, and the water was frozen over. Yeah, what in the... That makes no sense. I have no clue. It makes me so mad. Now... Just to finish everything up, let's go through the account of the evening Joanne went missing. This was all found by the Romaine's PI. Six o'clock, Joanne drops Michael off at home, then says she's going to get gas. We covered this. 6.25, Joanne arrives at the gas station. She goes inside and the clerk says she seemed entirely normal. She was friendly, nothing off. 7 o'clock is when the church prayer service begins. There was 10 to 15 other people present, and there were witnesses that said they saw her there. So we know she went to the church. And it wasn't a long service. It was just a quick prayer service. So by 7.15, people were already starting to leave. Around 7.20, a witness claims they saw a car alarm going off and heard it, but it only lasted a few seconds. So they assumed it was a fluke, like someone hit the button on their keys. An accident, basically. Somewhere in between 7.25 and 7.35, the last person in the church leaves. She's slightly nervous because she's the only one outside, you know. Mm -hmm. I would be the same way. Right. So she's kind of darting her eyes across the parking lot, just looking to see if there's anyone there. And she says, no cars, not even Joanne's car, which was found in the church parking lot. So we know Joanne's car was found in the church parking lot. So that would mean that somewhere in between 7.30 or 7.25 and 7.30, the car was moved. Wow. Because it was there and then it wasn't. Unless the witness got it wrong and there was a car and she didn't see it. But then the car was moved back somewhere between 8 and 8.30 to the church. At 8.58 p.m., is when an officer saw the car at the church parking lot. The first officer to see it, he did a quick, inspe- quick inspection, you know, checked the tags and everything, and he wrote it off as a no action. So no action needed to be done. Mm. But at 9:24 is when officers showed up at the house asking if Joanne was missing. So clearly, Jeez. action was taken at some point. At 9:30, Gross Point Farms the police department, contacts the Coast Guard before they go see the family. This is at 9.30. Or this is after, just after. Then at 9.38, the Coast Guard launches search crews. 9.51, the crews are on the scene looking for Joanne. By 9.58, which is exactly an hour after the first officer saw the car, another officer ran the plates. And he's the one who sees the footprints and calls in the case. So the case gets called in, according to reports, at 9.58, but the police showed up at the door saying that Joanne was missing at 9.24, 30 minutes before the case was called in. What the flip? <laughs> so this would mean the case got called in, one, after the Coast Guard was already searching, and two, or yeah, after they met with the family but there was also a written report done saying that the Coast Guard wasn't actually called until 10.35 p.m. Basically claiming that all the online records were wrong just by one written report. So I don't know how we can trust that, but the Romaine family also has records and their records say that they made 14 calls to Joanne in between 9.45 and Eight of these calls were made before 10 o'clock, meaning that these calls had to have been made before that written report to the Coast Guard says that the Coast Guard was called. So this doesn't make sense. This case makes no sense. I know. What? So why was the Coast Guard called before the police reported it? That unfortunately remains unknown. As with most of the case, the truth might still be yet to come, but for now there are still tons of questions with zero answers. That just makes no sense to me. I know. Why do they not investigate this more? I don't know. That's They just assumed it was a suicide, assumed she had mental health issues, and then that was it. What they in just the kind of, world? They didn't care about investigating. My theory? I think Tim Matuk is involved. One, she said, if something happens to me, look to Tim. So, like, we're looking to Tim. And he's also a cop. So, he could have easily called in the Coast Guard. Like, after he killed her. I didn't even think about that. Right. He could have called in the Coast Guard and, like. That's true, though. That uh, is true. Spooky. That's so spooky. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But, unfortunately, this case is pretty much a mystery still. And that's all the information I could find on it. But, hopefully, someday the truth comes out. Because I think this family deserves rightful justice. But as always, thank you guys for listening. Jason, thanks for stepping in again this week. Appreciate you. Absolutely. (laughs) I like being back with you guys. And join us next week as we dive in to another case to try and find out the ugly truth. Bye. Blah, blah, blah.